One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, the podcast that wields music's power to bring out the best storyteller and our guests to get to know them in a way normal old interviewing just doesn't do. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest today is Chad Evers. Chad teaches environmental biology of Southwest Florida ecosystems, as well as introduction to environmental science, introduction to environmental policy, and occasionally colloquium here at Florida Gulf Coast University. He's a member of the Sustainability and Resiliency Council, where he works to reduce single-use plastic on campus, as well as working to address the campus's glitter issues. And he works with the FGCU Campus Naturalists, doing semesterly trainings and serving as a mentor. And he sent us the longest bio we've gotten yet. By the way, that was almost seven minutes worth of biography. Chad came across our radar as a suggestion from episode 83 guest Fabiana Solano and is the first guest we've recorded in studio since the pandemic sent us all home. We're in separate studios, but he's in studio and so are we. And here we go. Hey there, Chad Evers. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for doing this. As we were just saying, this is uh, you're the most rebooked uh, guest yet. You started back in January? Yeah, we um, we talked about doing it in January, and then you had to bump me, and then I agreed to a date in February, and then I think I forgot I was supposed to be at a conference then, and then we rescheduled it to March, and then the world ended, <laughs> and here we are today. Uh, is 15 young for an Eagle Scout, or am I getting that wrong? Uh, I think That seems like a little advanced, like a little Doogie Howser Boy Scout. Um, a, a little bit. I think it's it's on the cusp of the young end, but I think a lot of kids, you know, are getting it at, you know, 15 or so now. Gotcha. Um, you have, you know, kind of your overachiever kids that will get it, you know, 15, 16, and then you have your last minute kids who will get it, you know, two days before their 18th birthday. And uh, And you're calling yourself an overachiever kid then? I was an overachiever kid, yes. <laughs> How does an overachiever kid respond to a pandemic? Uh, and and how well prepared were you? Because my brother was an Eagle Scout, or I think he was an Eagle Scout, but he was a Scout. When I asked him if he had stocked up on food, he's like, Mike, I was a Scout. Of course I was already prepared. <laughs> yeah, so the, the Scout motto is be prepared. So, right. um, Yeah, we... Um, Pretty pretty generally have some extra supplies hanging around. Um, one of the things that, that I had always done, uh, especially since I lived in California for a couple of years, when I lived in California, the state tells everyone they should have an earthquake preparedness kit. And so if an earthquake hits, you essentially have to be able to survive on your own, like, you know, camping out in your house without electricity, water for about two weeks. So you should always have two weeks worth of supplies in your house. And so one of the things I've always done is whenever I go to like a camping store like REI or Dick's Sporting Goods or things like that, um, I'll just buy one of those um, dehydrated food meals and, you know, a a bottle of, uh, you know, camp stove propane. And I just throw it in a bag and I have it. And then that way you're never spending you know, a million dollars all at once on supplies. Hmm. But every time you go, maybe you spend, you know, 12 extra dollars at one of these stores. And those things, you know, pretty much last for, you know, five to 10 years, depending on the brand. And then you've always got, you know, a supply of them in the event of like a, you know, really bad emergency or something that happens all at once. You know, it'd be great if we did that sort of routine with preparing for a pandemic as a society. Yeah. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, and it was, it was... <laughs> um. It was weird to see people standing in line in California because I thought, you know, well, surely everybody in California already had their earthquake kit, but apparently they didn't. Yeah. Okay, let's get to the music stuff. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, uh, You grew up in Pennsylvania. Yes. What was the musical background of your childhood there? Um... Let's see, my, my mom always listened to this station called Magic 93, so it was just soft rock, and, um... Then I um, I kind of discovered um, alternative music and um, more pop 
pop rock when I started hanging out with my older brother as opposed to driving around in my mom's car all the time. Mm -hmm. What era of that would have been like, you know, when you like made the, that transition to driving around with your brother? Yeah, like the like the 90s grunge music. Like I was I was definitely a 90s kid. Um, I also liked, you know, some ska and some pop um, and punk music. Cool. Uh, so um, earliest musical memory that flashes into your mind? Um, I, I think... I think it would have to be the first uh, first CD I ever bought was um, was Real Big Fish, mm -hmm. and um, oh, what's the name of that CD? Uh, Turn the radio off. I think was the name of it. And so, I'd actually never heard of them, but I was going on a on a scout trip that weekend, and some kid let me borrow his uh, headphone player. And he just had that, you know, a, a cassette that he had made of some real big fish songs. And I was like, what, what is this? You know, and I, I really liked it. And then I remember going home that weekend and I was like, I need to go buy this CD. And so that was the, uh, the first CD I ever bought. Was there anything else that you were sort of like th that you thought you were into at that point in time before you heard that? And then you thought, oh, no, that's what it being into something feels like. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. Huh? Okay. Has your uh, has your love for ska uh, survived the the big trend of ska back in the nineties? Um, nowadays, I I don't think I listen to any of the new stuff, but I still listen to you know my nineties ska CDs that have you know survived the test of time. Likewise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, was, did you ever play musical instruments? Was there any of that happening around you, you know, family members, friends, things? Yeah, so my, my sister um, played the piano, and, you know, I just never had an interest in it. And then I was in high school at one point, and I was like, you know, maybe maybe I would like to play the guitar. And I took lessons for the guitar for like a solid year, and I really couldn't play anything on it. And then my sister picked it up randomly and she played Mary Had a Little Lamb on it instantly. And I was like, I can't even do that. And so that was when I decided to uh, hang it up. <laughs> uh, does, does she still play? Uh, yeah, she has, a, she has a keyboard. She plays, you know, some Christmas songs here and there, but she doesn't, uh, doesn't play it a whole lot. Um, but her husband is a music teacher, and so he, uh, he does piano lessons out of their house and everything else like that, too. Uh, okay, well, we're going to get to your first song. So earlier, um, when I mentioned that you were from Pennsylvania, you were, you're from where in Pennsylvania? Scranton, Pennsylvania. Right, right. So w what is your first song, and how would you like to handle it in terms of listening first or telling a story? Um, well, I can, I can tell the story first. So it's, um, you want me to say the song or just tell my story? Well, if you, 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 Okay, all right, I'll, I'll tell the story. So I'm, <laughs> I'm from Scranton, Pennsylvania, and... <laughs> What? No, it's just great. I love it. I don't know where we're going, but I love it. Keep going. So I'm from Scranton. I, I grew up there. And um, I remember one time I was just, you know, randomly flicking through um, like the two TV stations I had in uh, when I was in college. And I saw like the opening credits of, you know, some TV show. And it had like the Welcome to Scranton sign and it showed uh, Mulberry Street in Scranton. And I was like, what what is this and so like i watched it and it turned out it was like the tv show the office and like one of the guys had a um a bumper sticker from one of the radio stations like on his desk it was dwight had uh the froggy 101 bumper sticker and that was our local country radio was that station was that surreal for you yeah and i was like i was like <laughs> what is going on like and i i had no idea and so i called my sister and she was like she's like chad Everybody knows this. And I was like, oh, I don't know this. <laughs> and then, um, like, another time I was in graduate school, and I was just talking to somebody. And this girl's like, you know, where are you from? And I was like, you know, Pennsylvania. And she's like, where? And I was like, Scranton. And she's like, ah! And she, like, screamed. And I was like, what? And she's like, that's where the office is from. So. What, what, year, would, what year would have that first story have been? Um, 2004. Five okay. or six. So it was a new show. Yeah, it was okay. It was like, you know, season two or so. Okay. Uh, well, shall we listen to it together? Yeah, sure. Okay, this is, uh, well, if you haven't figured it out by now, it's the theme song to the American version of the TV show, The Office. So as soon as that started playing, Richard was like, did you get the long one? And I'm like, the long one? I didn't even know there was a long one, so talk some, Richard. Yeah, so there's a band called the Scrantones, and um, the, the theme to The Office is actually an excerpt 
from like a, a full, a longer song. It's got a guitar solo and everything. If you're a regular listener, you heard last week that we played that during... Or two um, weeks ago, maybe. Or maybe two weeks ago. It's the episode that, that came out today as we're recording this has a part where we're talking and listening to um, that song. So there's a, like it's a full song. It's got a theremin and it's got a guitar solo. And it's really it's, it's actually a really good song. If you look it up, uh, try finding the full version. Yeah, I, I actually like this song better. So that's why I sent this one in. So, <laughs> <laughs> so keep talking. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I really like this song because, you know, again, I, I discovered the show and like I, I had seen, you know, a couple episodes while I was still in uh, Tallahassee finishing up um, like my undergraduate. I went to Florida State and shortly after that, I um, I split up with my first wife and I put my dog and my motorcycle in a U-Haul truck and we drove across the country to California and we went to graduate school. And, um, you know, initially it was just kind of a, a lonely time for me. My first few months out there, I didn't, you know, have any friends. I didn't know anybody. I was, you know, on my own. And, um, actually, you know, like I, I bought the, uh, the DVD of the first season of the show and, I feel it just I don't know it it really sort of connected me back home a little bit and so I think that's why you know that theme song always has you know some meaning to me because it it reminds me of that feeling of home and you know Scranton for me hasn't been home in you know almost 20 years now um but it still just kind of reminds me of you know where I grew up and you know my family and you know the people I went to high school with Do you still have family back there? Yeah, my my parents are snowbirds, and so they come down here every winter. Um, and but they're they live outside of Scranton now in one of the one of the rural communities. So they're they're up there. My my younger sister is up there, and then I have two other sisters that live outside of the Philadelphia area. Hmm. How many times have you watched The Office? Um, twice. Oh, I'll really? Okay. Yeah. So you're not like constantly watching it over and over again, like some people do. No, no, I've um. I actually, um, I just finished it the second time. So I, I started it, you know, when I was in California and then I, you know, I picked it up and then I, you know, I ended up finishing it when it came out on Netflix. And then, um, you know, usually every day I'll try and, you know, especially now I'll try and just, you know, jog on the treadmill for, you know, 20 or 30 minutes every day. And so usually I'll put on an episode or two of The Office. And so, it was like two weeks ago. I actually just finished the uh, the last episode again. So I've recently rewatched all of it. Hmm. Um, uh, what was the last concert you went to before social distancing? Oh, um, it's <laughs> it. It was long before it was social. Like seven years ago. <laughs> long before social distancing. <laughs> okay. Um, the last con. I think the last concert I went to was actually. Um, real big fish in Tallahassee so how did you wind up in Tallahassee like Florida like why do you go from Scranton to Florida yeah um so as as a kid we had always spent you know some time coming down to Florida so um, my parents were like professional snowbirds and so I had kind of a weird childhood where we would um my dad would unenroll us in school in Pennsylvania and we'd come down to Florida, and he'd enroll us in school here for, you know, two or three months during the winter time. And um, he had his own business, and so he would just like work super hard the rest of the year, and then take like two or three months off in the winter time. And um, he had built, uh, you know, a second house down here. Uh, he built it himself, him and his my my mom. And then, um, you know, around. Um, you know, the start of spring, we'd unenroll in school here and we would go back to school in Pennsylvania. And so I did that from kindergarten through eighth grade. Do you think that helped prepare you for life as a graduate student and things like that? Because, I mean, that would be really hard. But if you could succeed at it, it would probably make you a good student later. Yeah, it, it just... um you know, initially, like every teacher I ever had was like, this isn't going to work. But I was, um, you know, my sister and I, we, we always adapted well to it and we never really had any issues. And so all of our teachers were like, well, you know, these kids are doing OK, so we'll let it go. Hmm. Um, can you listen to music while you're scuba diving? Um, 
I, I asked that question because you mentioned scuba diving in your longest bio anyone's ever sent us. I didn't know what you wanted. I was like, I'll just send everything. <laughs> it was great. Um, I really know a lot about you. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I mean, I, I guess the, the technology is there. They make uh, waterproof earphones, but I've never listened to music while scuba diving. I was just wondering, you know, if it might, you know, technologically be possible, but maybe not be smart for some reason. Like you want to be aware and that might make like driving with headphones on kind of thing. Yeah. Or does that really apply? Uh, I don't, I've never scuba dived, so I'm totally speculating. I don't know. I've never thought about doing it with music. So um, I guess probably if, if you were just doing a recreational dive, it wouldn't be, you know, too big of an issue. But I know, you know, diving can get kind of technical. Yeah. You might have to go full uh, full big globe helmet. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Somebody <laughs> listening to this knows the answer, and they've done They're it They're losing before, their mind probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh, do you still have a motorcycle? Um. No, actually, I had motorcycles for 13 years, and I sold my motorcycle last summer. Um, so you spend a lot of time, um, you know, you, from your bio, you've kind of gone from different variations on science and lab work and field work and things like that. What's your favorite part of all those things? Um, I would say I would say field work and... It's it's not so much field work for me, but it's getting to work with students doing field work and sharing that experience with students, especially for students who um, are getting to do that the first time and they actually find that they enjoy it. And it's so it's kind of like helping somebody discover something about themselves. So as far as going from like a researcher to an educator, um, I definitely define myself more of an educator and somebody who's you know, really good at, at working with students and helping them kind of discover their own paths. Hmm. Um, well, it's time for song number two. Okay. Which is another theme song. I found I wanted to point that out. We have multiple theme songs as your songs today. Was this, this one was a whole theme song? Well, it's it's a it's well no it's not a theme song. It's, it's from a movie. It's from a movie. Okay. Yeah. I was I'm I'm, I'm misspeaking. Continue. Okay. Go say what is it. <clears throat> Oh, you want, me to, you want me to say what it is? I want you to say what it okay, is. Okay, so this is um, this is the song from the Lego Batman movie. And I, I forget exactly what it's called. I think it's called I Am the Batman. And Who, who's the Batman? <laughs> <laughs> Some people might say it's me. Um, <laughs> That's the name of the song, by the way. Yeah. So um, I am kind of a nerd, and so I've gone to to Comic Con. You know, I usually go every summer. I'm not going this summer though. Uh, but Are they we'll, having it this summer? Yeah, they, it's weirdly the most conventions canceled, but the one we usually go to in Tampa. Yeah, that's open. Just announced that they're going to be open, but um, it's actually at a it was an initially a weird weekend um, in early July. It was usually late July, early August, and so the weekend didn't work for us this year, so we didn't have plans to go. Um, but we've we've gone a few times. My wife and I usually dress up, and I've I've dressed up as Batman a couple of times. And then, but like it's always super hot, and I was like, how can I dress up and um, wear a pair of shorts? And so, um, with the Lego Batman movie, there's all these variations of Batman, and one of them was Pool Party Batman. <laughs> and so it was Batman, and he has a, a Batman like Hawaiian shirt on. And some Batman shorts and his Batman mask. And I was like, what a great idea. And so um, the last couple of summers I've gone as pool party Batman. And um, it's actually pretty nice because you could dress up. But you're also wearing, you know, a Hawaiian shirt and um, a pair of shorts. How is uh, pool party Batman received? I think he'd be a hit. Yeah, yeah, a lot of kids who have seen the the Batman Lego movie recognize it, and they're like, "Oh!" And it's there's actually a Lego minifigure of Pool Party Batman where he's uh, you know got the outfit on and a little uh, rubber duck with the Batman mask on. You ever come across another one like you know, looking in the mirror? Another Pool Party pool Batman? Batman? No, I'm the, the only one. The only I, uh, one. I'm I'm curious if you've ever. Uh, we're gonna go one tier deep. It's not super deep, but do, do you know the um the Joker and the Killing Joke? Mm-hmm. He's got the the big the big flat brimmed hat, and he's he's like Caribbean Joker. Yeah, in that comic. Mm-hmm. Do you ever run in? Because that's a popular cosplay. Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen that one. I think but... him and Pool Party Batman, maybe a combo deal. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like Batman and Robin. Yeah, um... <laughs> that's about as much as I know. <laughs> 
But uh, you know, a funny funny story about uh, you know, like Batman is is a good friend of mine. Um, for whatever reason, he's got me in his phone as Batman. And um, for whatever reason, yeah, just. Other than the fact that you yeah, dress up yeah, like yeah. that. <laughs> Maybe because I'm, I'm handy, too. I've, I've always got, you know, I'm prepared like a Boy Scout. Um, would Batman be a Boy Scout? Out of all the superheroes, would he be the most likely to be a... I mean, Superman is called the Boy Scout. Oh. Yeah, I, but I, I would argue that, like, Superman well, he's just not has... prepared. He just, you don't yeah. think, he just can you don't, do everything. You don't think Clark Kent living in Kansas was a Boy Scout? He probably well, he but, probably was. But, but you he, think Superman has a closet full of food in no, case things go No, down. he doesn't. Yeah, but, like, Batman is prepared like a Boy Scout. <laughs> um, this is my favorite conversation. <laughs> Team Batman. Um so yeah, my my friend, uh, I had a plumbing issue during the issue the the beginning of this uh, pandemic, and my friend had a good friend who was a plumber, and he's like, hey, I'm gonna send my friend your contact information, and he's gonna call you, <laughs> uh, but not he didn't realize that he had me in his phone as Batman. He just sent it, and um, my phone rings, and they're like, hello, can I talk to Batman? <laughs> So he sent like one of those V cards or something, and it yeah. just said yeah, Batman. Yep. And... <laughs> oh, well, uh, well, shall we listen to this song? Yeah, okay, sure. Okay, let's listen to this. this. Is who's who's the Batman uh, by Patrick Stump, who apparently is the from the Fallout Boy? Is that? I, I I'm not know. sure. I'm, yeah, I, I, that's what that's what Wikipedia the, there's, said. There's a better version of the song in the movie by the. Um, by Will, Ar- Will Arnett, Arnett sings yeah. it, but there's there's not like a clean version of it without like the the movie characters the movie cutting it. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is from the Lego Batman soundtrack. Can a Lego have buns of steel? Uh, maybe. Oh. <laughs> plastic, plastic steel. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I just wanted to mention, by the way, um, this is kind of kismet because for about two days now, my daughter's figured out. She's seven. She's figured out how to mess with her pe- the Pandora algorithm in our living room one. <laughs> and this song has played at least a dozen times in the last forty eight hours. And so I see her stomping around the house <laughs> like a. Bah, bah. <laughs> that's that's quite a song there. It is. Chad. Yeah. Where's where's it take you to while you're listening to it? Um, Are you in the movie? Are you yeah, fixing, I just, fixing up sync? Yeah, we um we we watched the the movie and Eating lobster thermidor. Yeah, yeah, we watched the movie together, and my my stepson actually wanted to watch it, and so we're like, all right, well let's let's watch this movie, and um like that's that's one of the first scenes in the movie. They're like playing that song, and they're introducing all these characters. I was imagining like a montage happening, so apparently that was what was happening. Yeah, and if, if you haven't watched the movie, you should. It's it's I definitely have watched worth... it. Okay, but I don't remember it. Oh. I remember liking it. Yeah, and it's I, you're probably not a real Batman fan then. Uh, you know I, <laughs> Shots I, fired. I well no I mean I'm not going to try to stand up for myself as a Batman fan. I mean that would be silly. Yeah, but I mean if if you've if you've been a Batman fan, you know like your whole life, and you like watch some of the older Batman stuff, there's there's all these like obscure Batman references in right, that movie right, right. that like you know it's it's a great movie on its own, but if you're a Batman fan, all these obscure references are like make it even better. Like even like the like the weird villains that they they introduced. They're like some of them are like wacky villains from you know the old TV show. Right, lots of throwbacks, lots of smart stuff for people who know what's going on. Right, cool. I did. I do remember liking it. Um, what was your first comic book? Um, I think it was. It was an X Men comic. It was. X-Men classics. I don't remember the number or a whole lot what was going on, but I remember a friend gave it to me, and I read it so many times. It was all wrinkled, and some of the pages were falling out, and I, I still have it um, in my comic book collection, but it was uh, it was an X-Men comic. Were you immediately like, I'm going to get into this? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really remember like what got me into the X-Men or where I initially heard about them. I I just meant comic books in general, just like whole medium, you know what I mean? It's kind of like this thing that's different that comes along. Yeah, I, I've always liked comic books as a kid. And, you know, I think comic book stores were sort of big in the 90s, um, but not where I lived. And so there was one in like the next town over. 
And I remember it was on my way to my grandmother's house. And whenever we would go to my grandmother's house, I'd, I'd beg my mom to stop. And maybe like one out of 20 times she'd stop. Um, <laughs> and they also had weird hours. So then like every now and then we'd stop and they would be closed like randomly. And so um, I always wanted to go to the comic book stores. Um, and then one Christmas, what really got me started in, you know, my my collection is there was these, you know, intro to comic book collecting kits. And I asked each of my grandmothers for one. And so one of them got me the Marvel kit and one of them got me the DC kit. And so that was my, my first big influx of comic books. And so I, you know, I collected them on and off. Um, but it wasn't really until, actually, I think I started working here at FGCU. My, um, my first semester here, I would have new faculty academy in the morning and my wife was um, adjunct teaching a class. And so I would do new faculty academy and she would adjunct her class and we finished at about one o'clock and we'd go over to Sovi and get lunch, but then we had to pick up our step, my steps on her son at three o'clock at school. So we always had some time. So I was like, hey, let's go to the comic book store. And so then we would go to the comic book store until like three o'clock. And that was just kind of a, you know, an every Friday sort of thing for us. And so that's what really got me going, you know, weekly. And now we all sort of go, usually every Friday evening, we'll go to the comic book store and Hmm. pick up some comic books and everything else. How large is your collection and what is the most treasured piece of it? Um... I don't I don't know what my most treasured piece is. I've got I've got a few pieces that are, you know, signed by some of the artists which which I really like. Um probably the first expensive comic book I got, my older sister gave to me for being in her wedding, and it was actually a two-part series where it was the Wolverine versus the Punisher. And so <laughs> I have I have those those two comic books. I can see books. Richard nodding. By the way, we should explain. So, Chad's in my chair. Yeah. I'm in Richard's chair, yeah. and Richard's in Tara's chair because yep. Tara can't be here because she's finally taking a de- needed day off. So I can see Richard in the mirror of the window behind me. I can see <laughs> yeah. Chad in front of me. So I'm just painting a little radio picture there. Um, I was curious. Yeah, um, what about that one, yeah. Richard? Well, well, Wolverine and versus Punisher is a great one of those those great offshoot um i i wanted to know actually how how your stepson has been taking you know like are you sharing that with him is that something that he's latched onto? yeah he he goes goes in and out um i think like most kids they kind of jump from how, hobby. how old is he by the way he is 14 almost 15 okay good. so he is a teenager and it's been downhill since then <laughs> um but yeah, he he goes in and out on you know some of my hobbies and then you know things that his friends get him into and um, he's just one of those like you know obsessive kids where he's like totally into something for you know weeks at a time and then you know something switches and he's not interested at all anymore. Hmm. Cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, let's talk real quickly about glitter. Oh yeah, glitter. Oh yeah. So so uh, episode beep. We'll fill that in later. Guest uh, Fabiana Solano. That's uh, episode eighty three, by the way. If anybody wants to listen uh, back, I was going to have us voice me in saying I might do, it. I might do it. You know, like I might do that still. I don't know. That we'll might have already happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fabiana Solano came on the show, and then she brought up glitter, and glitter is one of my sort of white whales around here. Is like ah, but you're the other half of the gl- or you're the the. the professor side of the glitter stuff that she's working on so yeah just real quick give us the like one minute or less version of what you do in regards to glitter like archaeology here at fgc oh i'm i hate glitter um i didn't even know it was a thing with graduation fi- photos until i came here one saturday right before graduation and saw the boardwalks covered in glitter and i saw it blowing into um, our campus wetlands and so what we've started doing is we've actually started kind of digging around in the campus wetlands and we've found glitter as deep as, you know, three or four inches down in the soil. So it's it's been there for years. Um, we found glitter from bachelorette-themed glitter. We found wedding-themed glitter. We've got the graduation-themed glitter. And, you know, it's it's in our wetlands. It's, you know, several inches down in the soil. You could easily find it on the surface, uh, you know, now within, you know, 20 feet of the boardwalk. So it is moving around. Um, 
it's it's a microplastic. Um, so like the the aluminum and the metal and the glitter glitter will actually break down, but that plastic could persist in our environment for thousands of years. So if you're a student and you want to leave your mark on FGCU, hopefully it's something better than tossing some glitter that's going to be in our wetlands for the next, you know, several hundred or a thousand years. Yeah, and I just think it's a kind of a, a great metaphor for the plastic use in general across the entire planet. You know, it's just like you use something because you want to get some instant gratification, but then it's going to be there a thousand years from now. Right. You know, so anyway, um, how has scouting been impacted by social distancing? Are you guys... Still meeting like you normally met? Are you having Zoom meetings? Yeah, so so my my stepson and I we do Boy Scouts together, and um, so I'm an assistant scoutmaster. So every Monday, so we're in Troop 193. If anybody's listening, shout out um, 193. Yeah. Um, we um we do have a Zoom meeting every Monday, and so what what we've started doing this week and the coming weeks instead of having like a big Zoom meeting with everybody, um, we're having our Patrols get together and they're doing their own things on Monday nights during during scout times. Uh, we are trying to keep our kids active throughout the summer. Usually, scouts kind of you know phases out during the summer. Usually, we'd go to summer camp in June, but we're we're not going to summer camp this summer because most of the camps have closed down. So instead of that, we're doing some virtual merit badges for our scouts. So I'm going to teach environmental science merit badge mm. for, for our troop um, over Zoom. And so they'll just have some things that they'll have to, you know, do each week and send in to me. And so we have, you know, a few other experts in their subjects. So we're going to do kind of our own, not, not really virtual summer camp, but a chance for kids to earn, you know, merit badges that they could get at summer camp. Understood. Yeah, it's just all the different ways this is changing things. That's just a shame because yeah. the, the being in person is really important to all that, I'm sure. Yeah, one of the things we talked about is, you know, when we go back is that, you know, we're not going to have, you know, kids sharing tents anymore. And, you know, maybe it's going to look like everybody brings and cooks their own meal instead of the, you know, the patrol method where they, you know, I'll, you know, plan a menu and cook together. Right. Hmm. Well, uh, it's time for your third song. Okay. Uh, this is Times They Are Changing by Bob Dylan. This time I'm saying it. Okay. Um, how do you want to proceed? You want you play it first. Well, let me give you three choices. Okay. Uh, the original version, which is probably what you want. Um, there's a really good live version from pretty early on still, and uh, just him with a piano. Which I found. Uh, probably the original version. Okay, this is uh, Times They Are Changing, released in 64 on the album of the same name. The whole world has changed since uh, right. since I actually picked that song. Right. Um, my, my initial thoughts on that song were you know, about climate change and the environment and the world that our students are graduating into. And I really encourage our students to be, you know, activists in, you know, shaping the world that they want. Um, you know, our, our climate is changing. And, you know, there's there's that, that great line where it's, you know, like the water's rising and you can either swim or, you know, change. And, yeah, you know that's you know literally happening in the world. The water is rising, and so um, I think we you know we need to you know do something about it. We need to encourage our students. We need to you know accept that you know the world is changing, and so that was that was my initial thought on on picking that song. The um, the other reason that song has meaning to me is it's actually in the opening scene of the movie Watchmen. I knew it. <laughs> yeah. And and I, I feel like like that's actually my favorite part about that whole movie is like the first, you know, you know, two, three minutes and they, they tell this whole story of like the previous version of the Watchmen. Yeah. It just as this song plays and like you see how the world changes for them. And so so it's got meaning there and um I'm gonna shout out to my wife here who actually teaches a class on graphic novels here. Um, and so she's a big fan of Alan Moore. And so she teaches and she uses Watchmen and she uses V for Vendetta. And so, so that's, that's why that song has got meaning to me initially. Um, but now, you know, the, the times actually changed since, you know, I wrote the bio, you know, cause we planned to do this in January Yeah, and, you know, who knew that the, 
the whole world would change since then. So. Yeah, it's really hard, um, hard, it, hard to believe. I mean, we're living through it. But yeah, yeah. I, that's what I was thinking as I listened to that song, too. Especially, I was even thinking about how you had picked it back in January. Yeah. Huh. You know, your bio, I really admire the fact that you're willing to say this in your bio. My goal in life is to save the world through environmental education. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's like bringing Batman full spectrum back home. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> that's why I do what I do. Um, I mean, I'm trying to save the world here. And, you know, one thing students will ask me, they're like, how do you not get discouraged when you when you look around and, you know, you see this stuff happening? And it's because of my students that I'm not discouraged. Uh, we, you know, we have class. And if, if every student that I teach, you know, makes one change in their life, did they make the world better? Absolutely. And so I feel like that's how I'm doing my part is, you know, I'm, I'm just one person. But if I can inspire, I mean, I've been teaching for 10 years now. You know, I, I imagine I've had a few thousand students. And if I've inspired, you know, half of them to do something, that's a lot of people making changes. And I always tell my students that, that I hope that, you know, there's a handful of them that are that are smarter than me and better than me. And they will go on and they will do something amazing. And so I think environmental education is super important um, for that reason. And then the other reason is that I think a lot of environmental problems exist simply because people don't know that they're environmental problems, either, you know, willingly or, you know, unknowingly. Some people put their head in their sand and they ignore it. Um, and other people just, you know, weren't aware. Hmm. Um, if you were a championship wrestler, uh, what would music would you come in on? And I'm going to add another addendum to that question for you. And what would your character's wrestler's name be? Oh, I I don't know. I, where did that come from? <laughs> That's one of our newer questions. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to say um, the Beastie Boys, you have to fight for your right to party. All right. Yeah. Um, and... If I had to pick a name, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to the office and uh, I'll use Dwight's character, Recyclops. <laughs> so, <laughs> bravo! Yeah, that's good. Bravo! Got uh, <clears throat> any TV theme songs committed in memory you'd like to sing for us? Uh, no. With us, we can do the office. Bing, bing. <laughs> yeah. Are there any that you do know word for word? No, I have I have no musical ability as. Well, that that's, the not the that's not the question. No, that's not the question. Um, no, no, I don't. I don't actually know any of them. <sighs> I'm, just, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna avoid this and move on. Uh, how about dancing? Um, like I, I could do this, where I just, but that's about it. You would not be the first one on the dance floor if presented with a dance floor. I will. I will try. Um, but I'm not very good at it, according to my wife. Karaoke. Well, so my, my go-to karaoke song was the, the Beastie Boys, You Have to Fight for Your Right to Party. So, Well, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Broadway musicals. Stage uh, musicals, you know. Um, I, haven't, uh, I haven't seen any. I saw Dracula in high school, and so that was the only one I've been to. If you could learn any instrument instantly without any effort, Matrix style, which would it be? It would probably be the guitar because, you know, I don't usually like to give up on things. And that's one of the things I've given up on in life. Like acoustic guitar? Yeah, you, any kind. Yeah, acoustic or electric. Um, we haven't really talked about that much about the music that you listen to. Like, what are the songs that, you know, what are the bands that you're listening to right now? Like, what would be on your immediate go-to list if you wanted to listen to something? Um... I kind of listen to everything. Um, I like my my wife has actually gotten me into classic rock because that's I think the one thing that we could sort of agree on when we're driving around in the car. So we listen to the classic rock station. Um, I really like Queen. Um, I watched I watched the movie about Queen and that there were so many Queen songs that I didn't even know that they were Queen songs. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't know that was Queen. It was just you know it's been on the radio for years and I never knew who it was. Um, so I listen to that. Um, I do like to listen to a lot of talk radio. Um, and as far as the stuff, like I'll listen to like, you know, the pop stations. But what I really, you know, tend to listen to a lot is like my old like 90s stuff. Like on my, my iPod, I've got, 
you know, my real big fish. And I, I still like the Beastie Boys a lot and the Offspring and so you know stuff like that. What um what music do you listen to that your wife disagrees with and vice versa? Um, since classic rock is the the in between. Yeah. Um. This this is kind of embarrassing, but I've always been a fan of like Taylor Swift, and uh, my... you won't be the first person to say that. <laughs> and my wife is like, very what? few people just say, "I love Taylor." Yeah, Swift. yeah. everybody. They everybody always have to throw it. a thing on it. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not. You know, I'm not a 14 year old girl. And I feel like. <laughs> so um... but she's not a fan of Taylor Swift. That might be no. a teaser bite, Richard. Yeah, I might think so. <laughs> Yeah, so, so there's that. Uh, my my <laughs> wife doesn't like country music at all. And so, you know, and, and she didn't initially tell me that. Like, when we, were, like, first started dating, I'd, like, I'd be like, hey, here's this song that reminded me of you. And it'd be some country song. And she'd be like, oh, that's great, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, Which album uh, have you listened to the most in your life? Um, Probably... Um, no doubt, Tragic Kingdom. Okay, that was that was one of my my earlier CDs, and I listened to that, and and it actually got me into like the even earlier No Doubt stuff, like when they were like teenagers, like singing in people's garages, hmm. um, and that was you know some of the stuff that I really liked. It was like you know like old ska. Since you sent us your songs and stuff so far back, did it occur to you as we proceeded toward doing this finally to ask to change songs because of what's happened? No, I um, I actually tried to like forget about everything that I sent you so that this would just be more of a surprise to me as we did it too. Cheers to that. And yeah. you didn't even know if it was actually going to happen until like yesterday afternoon. Yeah, I just, you know, popped up on my calendar. And I was like, oh, I haven't heard anything, so... You're the first one back, so just oh. so, so yeah. Um, so no, so just you were you were ready for whatever we had laid the tracks for way back when. Yeah, I, you know one of the things that, you know, people ask me, you know, I'm I'm working on my doctorate degree and I'm I'm pretty good at like classroom presentations and and everyone's like, oh well, you know, like Chad's a professor, so he's he's good at standing up in front of crowds and. You know, my secret is that I'm actually just really good at winging it. <laughs> hey, I think that's pretty much the secret to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, what would your 14-year-old, almost I, an Eagle wait, Scout... Oh, wait, wait, oh, I just yeah. realized why his last name is Winger. <laughs> Who, Jeff Winger? Yeah. Well, why? Because that's what he when, he, when he does the speeches at the end of the episodes. He's oh, because he's just winging it? Oh. He, like, they just put it right Richard's in Richard's brought us into community now. Okay. Have you watched Community? No, oh no, my that's, God. no. We don't have to keep any of this. I just, I was, I just realized we have to keep this. Maybe. What would your fourteen-year-old, working diligently toward Eagle Scout self, think of who you are today? Um, I think he would be happy with who I am today. I know when I was younger, I envisioned myself being more of a marine biologist. But you know, I'm I'm pretty much doing the same thing, but you know, on land. Right. I did I did work pretty much on a boat. <laughs> Sorry, that was really good. Um, I did work on a boat for seven years. Um, when I worked for the Department of Agriculture, I did water quality management for our shellfish harvesting areas. And you're doing sampling then, basically. Yeah, we did water sampling, water analysis. It was is really more of a public health job because we looked for harmful algae blooms and um, right, harmful right. bacteria in the water and clams and oysters. They are filter feeders, uh -huh. so whatever they're filtering out and that's inside their muscle tissues concentrated. And if it's bad stuff and people eat it, that's where shellfish poisoning comes from. Your bio also mentioned about that, though, that being on a, the water every day doesn't necessarily be turn out to be as fun as you thought. Yeah, that's well, that's where I was going with it. So. <laughs> After um, after seven years on on a boat, three or four days a week, it it really turns into you know almost drudgery, and like there was some days where it was just amazingly beautiful out there, but it it almost doesn't matter anymore because you're just doing it every day. It's like you drive to the boat ramp, put the boat in, go get your samples, right? Come back, take the boat out, package everything up, ship it out, go back to the office, watch you know, yeah. and then do your office stuff, and it's not like and you know. It would be funny because I would be at the boat ramp and people would be like, oh, you've got the best job ever. And they're like, do you go fishing while I'm out? you're out there? I was like, no. Like, could you imagine if, you know, 
somebody saw me and it's the Department of Agriculture <laughs> on the side of the boat and I'm I'm fishing. Like, you Just know. leaning into the stereotype. Uh, yeah. Yeah, with a light beer. Yeah. So, so it was that. But then there was, you know, and I, I've taken pictures of it, but there were days where it was so miserable out. I literally had the only truck at the boat ramp. Like, it'd be February and it would be gray and there'd be 20 mile an hour winds and it'd be drizzling. And you're still... On a boat, you know, yeah. so for every, you know, really nice day, there was... Was that yeah. first day, though, when you put it in pretty good? Was it kind of like, look at me, I'm getting paid to put a boat in the water? Yeah. The, well, the other thing is that, like, when you first start, like every, you know, like any new job, everything takes, you know, a little bit longer. And so when I started in the summer, and I wasn't necessarily used to the summers here in Florida, because I had moved from California, where it's, you know, this you know, perfect... Yeah. Perfect. Like it's it's nice and it's you know it's dry and it's not humid, and then I got to Florida and I just had my first day on the boat was like six and a half hours in the sun, and there was no top on the boat at the time, so like I just so did then did you have the oh what what have I gotten myself into moment then yeah I mean it 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 got better and then it's it's also <laughs> like you know we're learning like the routes and stuff and so you know I pretty much discovered every sandbar the hard way. Because it's, you know, when we're getting we're, we're getting our water samples, it's not like we're just going down the intercoastal. We're going in, like, every little nook and cranny and, you know, alcove to make sure that, you know, the water is clean, like, everywhere that we go. Huh. Do you uh, spend any time out on the water these days? Um, I have a kayak. I mean, after that job, I've got real no desire to own, like, a, you know, powerboat. The other thing is I realized, like, how much it costs to maintain them. Like, anything would happen. We'd take it in and be like, oh, $1,000. Right. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, have, I've had the same kayak since um, I was probably 17 or so. Oh, cool. And you keep it out of the sun, they'll last forever. And, you know, the only thing I've ever replaced on it is like I've gotten a better paddle. Huh. So, uh, Well, we are coming up to the end. Now, okay. is, now is the time when you recommend three people who you'll share this with who you think we should pursue as guests. Um, have you ever had Win Everham on here? Uh, I have not, but thinking I about him with all your uh, yeah, biology I, talk. No, let's let's make that a point. Okay, so I would I would recommend. Can I recommend four people? No, no. Uh-uh. Okay, we've got rules. Okay, um, <laughs> Richard would kill me if I gave you. Four. I'm in the same room with my. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, well, how about this? Uh, ready for compromise? Uh, I think Wynn is aware of our show, and uh, I think I've even and, asked. Yeah, Wynn. I think we so mentioned let's give Win. Win was a no vote. You that's get a, three. That's a gimme. All right. Well, I'm going to give you three categories of people. Oh, okay. So the 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 first one is it, there are two people from my department that I think are worthwhile. The first one is Win Everham. Um, he's been a great mentor to me. To me. Um, the other one is is Dr. Molly Nation. She's a friend of mine. She's our environmental education person in my department. Um, and she told me that it was her dream to be on WGCU. Oh. So I'm sure if you asked her, she would jump at the opportunity. Cool. And I'm teaching this class this summer on surviving the end of the world. And she recently bought a house in Fort Myers and discovered she has a bomb shelter in her backyard. And so I'm actually going to stop at her house to take a video of it on my way home from this today. That's Molly Nation? Mm-hmm. Has a bomb shelter? Yes. When you said the name of your class, I could see Richard's reflection. Is that what? Yeah. That's <laughs> Let's go back to that real quick. Oh, I, yeah. So, um, <laughs> okay. So I'm, I'm teaching this class this summer. It's something we, we threw together um, pretty last minute. I actually had the idea after Hurricane Irma. And it's, it's called Surviving the End of the World, a Practical Approach. And it's, it's basically about being prepared for, you know, everyday disasters. So it's not really about fighting zombies or things like that. Um, but I, I broke the class up into kind of five categories, you know, like mental, men, mental and physical preparedness. So like, you know, how do you mentally and physically prepare yourself for, you know, whatever comes your way? Um, the next one is like personal survival. And so this is like the week two. And so we actually just talked about, you know, just everyday things that you could carry in your backpack, like, you know, a, a granola bar and a phone charger and, you know, just basic stuff that, was going to help you out throughout your day. Um, the next, we're going to talk about vehicles. And so, you know, sure, your car is a flat tire, but, you know, do you know how to change your tire? Do you know if your flat tire, or if your spare tire has um, air in it? Um, so basically vehicles. And then, like, we're going to end with, um, like, home preparation. And, and one of the things that I've seen 
during this whole pandemic thing is everyone is buying everything at the grocery store. And, you know, environmental science and sustainability is a big thing for me. And I'm really concerned about how much waste is actually going to become of that. Because you see people going to the grocery store and they're buying 20-pound bags of beans. Who's going to cook a 20-pound bag of dry beans? They're like, well, we better get it. So we have it. And so, you know, my my take on that, and it could, again goes to being prepared, is that like if you go to the grocery store and you just buy, you know, an extra box of pasta and some extra canned goods every week, and but only buy them if that's stuff that you actually use. Right. And so then you end up with this, you know, surplus of, you know, dry goods and canned goods, but they're things that you actually use and you just kind of use them and replace them. And then again, if, you know, something happens, like you can't go to the grocery store, you can't get groceries, um, you know, over the course of a couple of months, you've built up the supply, you haven't spent a ton of money on it, and it's things that you're going to use anyway. Have you ever considered showing up for class in a Batman outfit? Um, I have. Um, every day in September, there's Batman Day, and I always wear my uh, my Batman so Hawaiian shirt. So you haven't shirt. just not just considered it, you've done it. I haven't worn the mask, uh, but I... Explain Batman Day. Um, every day's Batman Day in well, September, Richard. <laughs> oh, I suppose that's fair. I didn't know that till just now. No, there's but, so there's there's a day in September and it, oh, it's it just it, a day. I yeah, it, it moves every day. No, it moves around. Um and the comic book stores usually have um some free Batman comics that they give out on that day. It's usually a Saturday in um September and that's Batman Day. Huh. Um if the bomb shelter is big enough, I think we need to record her episode in the bomb shelter. Okay. So report yeah. back Sounds on the bomb fun. shelter. Okay. Hey, before you do your third person, um, I just want to ask. Yeah, we're still I, I, yeah, I, I, only, I only did two two people. Right. But there's one do, category, though. Oh, that's one category. Yeah. <laughs> um, before, before you do uh, another thing, I just want to know um, uh, if you're aware of, have read, or plan on using um, Max Brooks's uh, zombie survival guide uh, in that class. So my students in that class have to um, they have to do a book review, and yeah. I know one of the students is reviewing that book. Um, but one of the books we are using for the class is Max Brooks's World War Z. Yeah, and so that book is you know is is probably my favorite book because every time you read it, it mirrors what's happening in society. And like we've you know we went through the hurricane, and I read the book after the hurricane. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, people acted just like this during the hurricane, and like now we're in this pandemic, and we're like, oh my god, people are doing yep. this stuff during the pandemic. Like there was even. You know, they made the uh, the fake cure for the zombie virus, and early on in this pandemic, um, I forget who it was. There's some actor was you know saying that you know his company was coming out with a you know a cure, but it wasn't real or anything. Wouldn't it be great if they made a, a movie out of World War Z? The yeah, <laughs> as, as, but not not the movie that they oh, they I made. I don't even know what you're talking about. Um, I think that movie was called Brad Pitt Fight Zombies. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't uh, wasn't uh, World War Z. But you're right. The novel the novel has a chapter about people going north. And thinking that, you know, the just what was in their pantry, like the canned goods in their pantry, and like a crowbar and an axe and some blankets, and they would be okay for a whole winter yeah. above the frost line, like in the woods. And people were like, oh, it's been a week, we're out of food. Yeah, so I, actually, I talked about something similar to that in my, in my survival classes. People have this idea of a bug out bag, and it's this backpack that, you know, you're just going to skip town with, and you've got everything you need in this backpack. But that's, you know, it's, and you have and it's it's a real big thing amongst people in like you know the survival situations, but um, that's really unrealistic. I mean, like me, there's my wife, my stepson. You know, we've got you know three dogs. Um, I can't fit everything to keep my family alive in a backpack. Most of my stuff that's gonna you know keep my family safe is actually in my house, and so my house is actually the most secure place. Maybe the people who make the bags are just gonna leave everyone behind. <laughs> yeah. I guess. <laughs> believe it or not, there's actually there are a couple of survivalist like YouTube type channel things, and mm-hmm. that's a that's a big thing that they talk about is um, unless you're gonna leave your friends, your neighbors, maybe some of your family, right? And you're gonna go, hey guys, sorry it's falling apart, but uh, you know, this is what I have. Unless you're gonna do that, then you can't do that. Yeah, you and have to just stay. Richard yeah. watches survivalist. That's what that means. On YouTube. Yeah. Right. Um, okay, your third person. Okay, S- second category of person. 
So um, the the second one I'm going to recommend is is my wife because I think she is a super interesting person. Um, I think you guys had her on talking about um, the Holocaust at some point, um, Jessica Evers. And so, you know, she got her undergraduate degree here. She earned a master's degree here. Um, she just is finishing a second master's degree in Holocaust and Genocide Studies. Um, she's the associate director of, I don't want to say it wrong, the Judaic Holocaust and Genocide Center here at on campus. And she's an academic advisor for the College of Arts and Sciences. And she teaches a class on graphic novels. And so everyone thinks that I'm the nerdy one in the relationship, but um, she's right up there with me. Sounds good. So she's my second person. And then my third category of person is um, our campus naturalist. And so we have... Um, we have two senior naturalists. One of them, Courtney Kern, is a graduate student, and she is finishing up this summer. So I don't know if you're able to um, get her. Um, but we also have our our new senior naturalist, Celeste Danielli. Um, so she is a um, a junior or senior biology major. And one of the things that I do on campus is I help train our senior natural or our campus naturalist. And these are students who will assist um, the colloquium classes and other field classes. If you have an instructor that wants to take um, their class out into, you know, a different natural environment and they don't necessarily know about, you know, the plants or things like that, these students will actually use, um, you know, peer learning to actually help teach other students about what's going on. And so they're a resource to our faculty members. Okay. Well, and so those <clears throat> those two girls are our are outgoing and incoming senior naturalist. And so I think they would have, you know, some interesting things to say. Okay. We'll share this with them and then they can find me or we can, you can help put them in touch and we'll try to get as many of them in the queue as possible. Okay. Uh, last question is, are there any songs you'll avoid listening to for some reason, mostly because of memory association? Um, no. Simply no. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, Chad, so much for doing this. Thanks for being our first, like, you know, guinea pig in the separated rooms set up yeah thanks for having me it was nice to uh get out of the house yeah talk to somebody for a while yeah <laughs> yeah this felt really good thank you <laughs> yep it's love bug season and what better reason to be attached at the hip your love all fingers and lips there's nothing better than this being in love in the springtime we make three song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chinqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Halligan is online content producer and periodic host. Christophus is our executive producer. Our theme song was created by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. For this week's parting tune, we're going back one year to episode 65 with who was at the time Kyle Ann Duggan and who is now Kyle Ann Brett Schneider. She actually announced her engagement, sort of, on that episode. She also debuted a wonderful little song in studio at the end of the show, which still rattles around in our heads sometimes to this very day. This is Love Bug Season, performed in the Three Song Story Studio. So we caught a breeze and we got crumbs we lost Wished on a coin that was tossed We didn't think of the cost Now our lives feel over
Keep listening. Next time on Three Song Stories. Esa nena quiere que yo, porque sabe que yo quiero. La tira en la cama y ¡guá! Hasta la mañana. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Oh my gosh. 